Tomorrow morning we're going to be reading what Rabbi Akiva, the great rabbi of the second century, called Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies. We'll be reading from the book, The Song of Songs, Shira Shirim. And the book that is known by that name is a love story. It's an allegory between two lovers and their passion for one another, one of the most passionate works of Western literature. Hardly the kind of book you would find in the biblical canon, but of course the rabbis picked up on that as well and said that that is the essence of the relationship between us and God. The rabbi said it can be likened to the relationship between lovers, those who love one another, who are quickened by each other's presence, who feel grace to have found one another, is an analog for the human divine connection. And of course it's read on Passover because Passover itself has some of the hallmarks of that relationship, the relationship of lovers, and also in a different metaphor, the relationship of a parent to a child at a certain stage of that child's development. There is a quality about Passover that is grace, that is given, that is a beginning without an agenda, so to speak. There is a famous midrash, a rabbinic homily, that says that the Israelites who were in the land of Egypt in the place called Mitzrayim had sunk so low that they were on what was called the 49th level of impurity. 49 levels of impurity, say the rabbis, and connected against them or in parallel to them, 49 levels of holiness. Memtet sharei tumah, memtet sharei kedushah. And say the rabbis, the Israelites had fallen so low that God's redemption of the Jewish people was an act of pure grace, undeserving, without any merit whatsoever. God looked at his children and said, Beni b'chari Israel, you are my firstborn, and I redeem you for your own sake. And like a parent, we get that. All of us children of grace, each of us born in that way into this world, like lovers who when they see each other, that glance, that presence that they hold is its own justification, its own end, not a means. And yet, the day after grace, we begin an odd ritual. On the second night of Passover, for those of us living outside of Israel, it is at the end of the completion of the second Seder. We fulfill a commandment of the Torah. The Bible implores us, it enjoins us, it commands us. Mimacharat Shabbat. On the day after that first day of Passover, begin to count seven weeks, seven times seven, 49 days. This is called the counting of the Omer, and Omer is an amount, it's a, a quantity of grain that was brought in the temple. It was, in a sense, a, uh, a, a thanksgiving offering that permitted the use of the abundance of grain, a barley offering was brought on the second day and then 
the counting up towards the loaves of wheat that would be baked and brought, the only leavened products on the 50th day of the Omer, what we know of as Shavuot, the holiday of weeks. So the day after, what comes the day after freedom? What is the quality of that invitation that the Torah begins with us on the day after we've been set free? The Torah wants to begin a conversation about two kinds of stories. There's the story that liberates, the story of the past, the story perhaps of of a given grace, of a liberation that was undeserved, of a life given without any obligation. And then there's the next story. There's the story that we make of our lives, say the Torah, the story that we that we create. The life that not that God gives us, but that we give back to God. The second day, the day after freedom, we begin a 49-day story. And it isn't the story of slavery. It isn't the story of what happened before, of where we came from. It isn't the story of the first night of Passover. It isn't the story of who I was but the story of who I can be. The story of not my given, but what I make of it. And that story takes time. It doesn't happen in an evening or in a day or two days or a week. The famous adage that you could take the Jews out of Egypt, but it took a lot longer to take the Egypt out of the Jews rings true. And in our own lives, How hard is it to begin new stories? I was sitting with someone this week, and we were catching up on on my life. You know, so enough about me. What do you think about me? So we were talking about me. (laughs) And she kept giving me compliments, you know. And I was like, you know, like a martial artist. Everything she said to me that was nice, I kept, oh, there you go. It goes that way, and then I ducking it. And she said, do you notice what you keep doing? I keep telling you about your achievements, about this, about that. Can you just take a deep breath, she said, and just sit in it. Just sit in that. That new story. It is so hard not only to hear a new story from outside of us, but it's almost impossible for us to spin new stories for ourselves It takes so much time and patience to be able to hear a quality about ourselves that one might call a new covenant, a new promise. You see, we are called the people of the book, and that is as it should be. But we are more accurately called the people of the promise. And each and every one of us, when we left Egypt, each and every one of us, when we were born, fulfilled one promise, the promise of our birth, that incarnation that uniquely each and every one of us took in order to do our work in the world, to be present, to be a gift. But there are other promises and other covenants. There are all of the days after. There are all of those stories that are yet to be written about you and about you and about me. 
And the Torah is concerned that we don't stop making those kinds of promises to ourselves. The Torah is concerned not only with freedom from, to use Isaiah Berlin's famous categories, not only the freedom from bondage, not only the grace that you received now that you are alive and embodied, not only what it is that you are innately gifted to do, but the freedom to, the freedom towards, the freedom to make something of those gifts, to be in Jonathan Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs' terms, to be in a covenantal relationship. To be in a covenantal relationship means not only one direction. Not only thank you, God, for this life. Thank you, God, that I was born a privileged white male living in New York City. Not only thank you for all of the givens and assumptions and presumptions, but it's the day after that. Now what do I do? How do I start to create the story that is my story and release myself from stories that are not mine? Writing a new story is hard. It's hard for so many reasons. It's hard because once you start writing it, you might be writing somebody else's story you don't know. You don't know where you adopted that posture, where you adopted that dream, that vision for yourself. You need to be clear. We need to be clear. We lose our way. Our country has a story. And we've been figuring it out for over two centuries. Not only freedom from tyranny, but freedom to what? Not just rights, but obligations. Not just love for some, but love for all. And living up to that story is always hard. Seven weeks might not cut it for everybody here. At the end of the next seven weeks, we might have to apply for an extension. <laughs> and I think about these two freedoms, freedom from and freedom to, the difference between the given and what is given back, when I think about community. It is, as everyone knows here, a very common truism that I love to say over and over again, as I like to say truisms. Synagogue begins the day after synagogue. Shabbat begins the day after Shabbat. Community begins the moment you leave these doors. Those questions of what we do the day after is the essence of what it is to be a human being. And how we answer the question of the day after has cosmic, I should, I would like to say cosmic importance. How you answer for yourself, what your story will be is vitally important. And it begins with one day. One day. One word, one intention, one story that you have the most incredible discomfort hearing about yourself and you squirm in your seat to hear it. And slowly over time, 
the heart expands, the soul expands, and we can hear the new story. This is the weekend, and we are in the place where our brothers and sisters this coming Sunday will celebrate their own story, a story of what came not the day after, but three days after. The power of what can happen after we have turned off the lights on the first night of Passover and walked into the next 49 days. Franz Kafka was famous for having said that the Messiah will come only when he is no longer necessary. He will come only on the day after his arrival. He will come not on the last day, but on the very last. So we leave here tonight, and I ask each and every one of you to take with you this question. Who will you be in seven weeks? What kind of community would you like to belong to? What kind of world would you like to shape? What is it that you can add to the givens that God has already given? And how can we together bring a world that we would like to see soon in our day? Let us all say, Amen. Amen. Please rise.